Uh, we are starting a food pantry here at Christ Community Church. And if y'all are here Wednesday, we kind of talked about it, but I want y'all to help partner with our college and uh, career ministry and also with the youth. Um, these bags will be in the back. I'll have a couple college students back there to pass them out. Um, the whole purpose of this food pantry is not so that we can just bring food and that's the end. Um, the purpose of this is so that we can serve the community and we can show the hands and feet of Jesus by giving food to people. By meeting physical needs, we can meet spiritual needs as well. And so I hope that you all partner with us. You all fill these bags up. Take one. Um, the maximum is 15. So if you could just take 15 at most, um, that would be great. And bring these bags back um, next week. In the back right right here, we have a big two boxes that say give. If we overflow those, well done, church. Um, and so we're going to start getting the word out. If you meet people in the streets that need food, tell them about our church. We're going to try to be a church that can be a, a place where people can come and, and get help. And so... Um, if y'all run into anybody, um, let them know. These bags are out front. But um, Keith, if you don't mind, can I pray for you as you come in to give, give your word? Um, dear God, thank you for this weekend with your students, God. We know that you have a heart for kids, for students, and for this entire church. And so we thank you for what you did this weekend, how you moved. I pray that you continue to move in the hearts of the students past this weekend. I pray you, um, God, just be with us. You guide and direct us. As Keith comes and delivers this message on reconciliation, I pray that we would be searching our hearts to reconcile ourselves unto you first. God, would we be people that love our neighbors as we love ourselves? God, thank you for Keith and his heart for this church. May it continue to spread. May we continue to pray for our friends and brothers all across this room, this nation, and this world. God, you are good. We thank you for what you've done in this place in the past, what you're doing currently in this place now, and what you'll do far past when we're here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Hey, Mark did a great job last weekend, didn't he? Put your hands together and thank God. Man, great word. Appreciate his leadership. And uh, hey, research, man. I know a few of you kind of like the dog ate your shirt or you forgot, but all the students that participated or got like a cool shirt, y'all stand up. We just want to thank God for y'all. Look at all these teenagers, man, and leaders. Hey, leaders, stand up with them. There you go. Hey, man, isn't that awesome? Yeah. You can be seated. He just wants to look at you like, hey, that's pretty cool, y'all. Great, great weekend. Resurge. Well, this morning, I'm going to talk about a subject that's kind of hard. <clears throat> Might step on your toes. Anybody want to be stepped on today? Well, that wasn't what I was looking for. But, but I always say we're not the church of the feel good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I love to be happy. People are like, man, how much caffeine do you drink before you get up there? How many donuts do you eat? None. How many do I want? A case. <laughs> I just have this energy, and all I got to do is I got to give praise to Jesus Christ. He has wired me this way. And some of you are like, you call it a praise, do you? Anyway, this morning I want us to get into God's Word, and I want you to open your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians. I'm taking a little break from the New Testament study Next weekend, uh, as it was said, I'm doing a series called Faith Quake on Easter. I feel like just kind of warm up the Easter, man. Look at this crowd. They were pulling chairs out. Next weekend, I just got to tell you, you better come early because the room's going to look different. And the following weekend, you better come early if you want to get in the room. You know what I'm saying? So here we go. Today's topic, reconciliation. Now, that is a big word. We hear a lot about it. In, in the legal field, they have this thing now called mediation, mediators. It's a big deal. You know, you don't want to go to court and all that. So you have lawyers, and they come in, they represent you, and you have mediation. Well, in the church of Jesus, Jesus put it this way one day. He goes, there's going to be conflict as long as we live and have relationship. 
And there's going to be some need for mediation. And we're going to talk about the power of reconciliation. But before I get into that, I'm just kind of wanting you to look there with me in the box. Look at your worship guide. You got that when you uh, came in, like when you drove in. If you drove in here, we're in bigger trouble than I think. Okay. Message truth. Reconciliation is possible by His wonderful grace if you trust Him explicitly and you yearn with all your heart to be at peace with one another. It involves an act of the will, and you have been called to the ministry of reconciliation, believer. Do not shuck your responsibility, but be obedient to Christ. Reconciliation always involves a changed relationship. Now, there's three elements, and I'm going to walk through this in different things, but I want you to kind of get some uh, basis here. Look at the three elements. Get ready to write. Number one, it involves confession to Abba. You confess to God, God, I have messed up. God, I have blown it. God, I have missed the mark. I don't know how you say it. You confess it specifically, but you say, God, I have offended your majesty. I, I failed you miserably. I failed others. And you confess it to God. And in true reconciliation, there's times that we have to confess it one to the other. In James, he says, confess your sins one to the other. We were looking at in a, a, a discipleship group I'm doing midweek. And we were like, why is that in there? Because, like, how many people like to get busted and get found out? Well, thank you, Caden. Nobody really likes that. But there's a purpose for us to confess our sins because when we come into the light, when we expose our sin in the light, there is freedom. The devil can't hold it over you. And the church said, but if you keep it in the darkness, man, you get bound up. But when you bring it into the light, there's another reason. You bring it into the light, guess what happens? There's accountability. How many of you want to go to your accountability partner and go, I'm back? I'm back. Like, dude, you've been coming back for 10 years. Get a grip, bro. You know, and that's just one of them, this whole reconciliation thing, it's needed in the church. And I'm going to even share a personal example today about a reconciliation thing that I got to go through this week. Yeah, you ought to have to preach this stuff I preach. It cleans my clocks. I'm hoping today somebody gets as miserable as I got this week. You're like, well, that ain't very encouraging. You should make us feel good. Well, come back Mother's Day. This ain't a Mother's Day message, okay? We might give you a flower. Today, I'll just give you a daisy or a, a weed, okay? We've been out here pulling weeds and strawing and cutting trees, and I feel like I smell like a pecan tree right now. All right, so confession. Number two, forgiveness by God. So you confess your sin, then you need to seek forgiveness. God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. And also ask the person that you've offended. Do I sit in the room with people that have afflicted and conflicted or have messed people up and offended others? Absolutely. I'm not even going to ask you to answer that. I know you have. And we just offend one another. And some of us like, that's my middle name, offense. And we need to say, God, please help me not to do that. And the third thing is we, there's an establishment of a new relationship. There's this relationship between the offender, that's you and me, and God. It's between the offender and the offended party or parties. Did you know you can offend more than one? Have any of you ever offended more than one? Yeah, thank you, Howard. And it gets very tough when you offend a group of people. Then, then you get to play your reconciliation, and you get to go to a group of people. Isn't that fun? Like, you know, being a pastor and being on a stage, I don't know what that is. Uh, you, you know, you offend people, and you have to go and make it right. So God's going to speak to us this morning about desiring his best in our life and going forward. Now, this whole thing about reconciliation, I want you to hear this. Reconciliation is the Father's idea. He created it. Matter of fact, he initiated it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died 
for us. While we were yet still in our sin, Christ went and forgave us. When we were yet in our sin, the Father sent the Son to earth to die for us. God knows what it is to be blasphemed. God knows what it is to be mocked. Jesus knows all this. And yet, he initiates and he forgives. He's a marvelous example in the church. And if Jesus Christ is our Lord and our model, then we should follow his pattern, his life. So this morning, we're talking about uh, getting rid of conflict, solving conflicts. Maybe, maybe they go see a Christian counselor, Dr. John Mark or somebody. Maybe they can really help you work through this. Maybe they see the pastor. Maybe they see your small group leader go, this conflict is weighing me down. And you want to get free. But there's, a, there's these two guys in Scripture. And they're Paul and Barnabas. And they're known as mighty men of God. They are spiritual leaders. They're courageous. They have missionary zeal and evangelistic zeal. And they carry the gospel. But on the second missionary journey, the scripture tells us that there was another guy. His name's John Mark. And he messed up. And he kind of quit the mission. So then they're talking like, okay, well, we need to get John Mark. And Paul goes, absolutely not. Not on my mission. He's not going out with me. He's already deserted one time. He's not going out. And so they, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas is Mr. Encouragement. He like brings life. And, and it's so bad that Paul and Barnabas do this. They split in sharp disagreement, the word says. But in Timothy, we read in Scripture, later in life, a, 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 a myriad of things happen. And then Paul says, I want to welcome John Mark in, back into the fold. He reconciles, and we read about it. That's one of the most beautiful examples about reconciliation that I know of this morning. Because what happens in the church of Jesus, I'm not talking about the pagan world, man. They just fight and split and cuss and chew and take each other's wives. But in the church of Jesus, we split, and here's what we do. We just split. And we just split. And we go our opposite way. And God says, as far as it be with you, can you be at peace and live with one another? Can you reconcile? So this morning, I'm asking you, are you reconciled to God? That's the ultimate question. And that's through the death of Christ for you and me, and you're getting to know Christ, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But you have a reconciliation. Write this down. It means a change of attitude. God, I've messed up. God, I've sinned. Lord, I want to reestablish this relationship with you, but I want to put off the old man, and I want to put on the new man. I want to put on Christ new and his power and his vitality and his life. And that's why I'm in 2 Corinthians, look at chapter 5, verse 17. One of the very first verses I memorized, not as a believer. As a boy, I grew up in a Baptist church that my mom and dad dropped me off at. And then I dropped out of church in junior high years because nobody in our home was churched. And then I came to know Jesus as a 19-year-old freshman. But I memorized this verse one Wednesday night. I'll give you Pastor Keith's motivation. It was really good. I love basketball. And I played for DBC, that's Dirated Baptist Church. I love basketball. And Mr. Pete Motisi, man, this old guy, he's still living. I, I still talk to Pete every once in a while. So I call him Mr. Motisi when I see him. And because he's like older than Noah. But but Pete was our, he was our coach. And I remember I'd come to practice. And I was like, you know, I was just a little skinny boy. I know it's hard to believe one day I was skinny. But I was this little skinny guy, and I wanted a jersey. I wanted a DBC, white jerseys with red letters. And I thought, man, this is cool. And, and we'd go out and we'd shoot basketball. But Mr. Pete said this. He said, now, Keith, you, you want to play? I said, oh, yes, sir, I want to play. He said, we got this class for you. 
He says, we meet on Wednesday night, and we want you to be a royal ambassador for Christ. I said, huh? He says, and if you memorize so many verses, you're going to get this pen. And I got it at home still today. I should have worn it today. And I got an RA pen. I was, oh, I was lost as an Easter egg. But I would memorize verses for one reason. Mr. Pete said, if you memorize your scripture, you get to play in a ball game this week. It is amazing how some people get motivated. And all I knew is I liked hoop. And I said, man, I'm going to, so I started memorizing verses. This is probably the first verse that I memorized with Mr. Pete Motisti. Now, I'm uh, 11, 12 years old, playing ball. Took seven years. I was on the slow program, okay? And at 19, that verse came running back. If you would be in Christ, you could be a new creation. The old could pass away and the new could come. And Jesus stopped by and he invaded my life one night. And we've been working on that relationship for a long time now. And it's, it's the same kind of similar things happen to you if you're born again. And if not, you're like, man, I need to be new. But look at him here. He says, all things become new. Not being reformed, not being rehabilitated, not being re-educated, but be regenerated. Write that down. Be regenerated in Christ. It's a biblical term. And when Christ makes all things new, do you know God wants to make the church new? Did you know God wants to make relationships new? He wants to make you new, and he gives power. The old order of sin and death is gone. The new has come. And, and you know, a lot of you are like, man, you're like, well, I don't really like you now. I wish you could have met me before Christ. You really wouldn't have liked me. But, but don't laugh. Just look at the person next to you. You know, I know I wouldn't have liked you before Christ. I mean, I think about all, sometimes I think about people I know and before they came to Christ, because I've been following Christ for a long time, and I think about their relationships, and I think about how they're kind of awkward, and, and I'm thinking, man, I wish you could have known them. No, I'm glad you didn't know them before. <laughs> they were a goat. They were mean. They were cantankerous. Did, have I described any of you already? They were mean. They were gossip. They slandered. They judged. They critiqued me to my face, behind my face. They, they just did horrible, sinful things. But then one day they met Jesus and he began to change them. They didn't get perfect. It's just they, they began to get changed. They began to get new. And in 517, he says, they get, feel that it says, they get found. Read, found read, write that in there. They uh, are founded on being a new creation. We get founded in the, the person of Christ. Christ initiates his love. He comes, he invades your life through the Holy Spirit. And we become new. We regenerate. We begin this new walk. And when we begin the new walk, there's a new nature. I get excited about the new nature, folks. I'm never going to get tired of the new nature that only Jesus can give. And if you've not had that new nature, you need to make an exchange this morning and find Jesus. I didn't say find church. I didn't say join the church. I said meet Jesus. Because when you meet Jesus, all things change. Now, I wish all things were perfect. My wife says, amen. Because she lives with me. My wife knows me well. And that's between me and her in covenant relationship. Ain't none of your business. <laughs> but let me ask you about your wife or your husband. They know you well. Like, you're going to meddling now, preacher. You're just going back up and talk about you. We like to laugh at you. That's fun. Yeah. It's amazing when you're a preacher. You make fun of yourself. I make fun of myself being follically challenged and all this kind of stuff. And I, you're like, I'm glad they pay you to do that because I ain't doing that. It's fun. It's humiliating, but it's fun. Okay. So, do you i got a question. I want you to write it down today. Do you remember the brand new start in your life? Because if you can't remember it, you need to make a start today. And that brand new start starts at all. Look at 518. I'm just going to kind of work through this. 
We get entrusted to the ministry of reconciliation. In 17, he says, they're new in Christ. The old's gone, the new's come. But look at verse 18. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God initiates, that's what we talked about. But he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you are a Christ follower today, you have a mission. Underline this. You're now a minister of reconciliation. You have been called to reconcile other people to their heavenly Father. You have been called to reconcile other people one to the other. Mm. Man, how am I going to do that? You're not, friend. Jesus is going to have to do it through you. I remember years ago, a bunch of us got married the same summer. And Don and I had this really, we had Bible study in our home. And uh, we had this couple, they decided they were going to get divorced. And Don and I just got a tremendous burden for him. We prayed for him, and we invited him over, and we spent hours and hours and hours trying to practice this verse. And can I tell you, to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are married today 32 years later, grown kids, loving God, walking with Christ, did not desert because we chose to practice God's word. Hallelujah. And it was hard as snot, or whatever snot is. I don't know. I'm sorry. I hope that makes you mad, okay? I wanted to. That's why I said it. It's just hard. It's fun to sit with your friend going, you ain't getting a divorce. We may not get a divorce. I said you ain't getting a divorce because it ain't right and it ain't God's will for your life. And we've been studying God's word together. Now, buck up and let's deal with the heart of it. And we did. We walked through it together. And we saw God do something miraculous. And every time I see them in the community today, I go, praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You're saying, well, I, I don't want to walk in that kind of love. Well, look at it. Look at it. It didn't say, this is for Pastor Keith. It says, God gave you and me the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ, not counting men's sins against them. How many of you want to have your sins counted against you? I didn't think so. I want my sins counted against the cross. I want the cross to take care. I want Jesus' blood to wash over. Because you know what God values? God values reconciliation above all other things. Write it down today. God values reconciliation above all reconciling you sinful man to holy god but he also values you reconciling other people as his spirit dwells and he works and he, he does something special in you in that the, um, it's like listen to romans 5 10 for if when we were god's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life god that's good news god imputes righteousness psalm 51 the great king david has sinned greatly against Bathsheba, and he confesses his sin to the lord and god restores his soul and god doesn't count that sin against him he wipes it away every christian i wrote this in my notes every christian is a minister of reconciliation they have the responsibility of bringing harmony to the world where there's conflict if you call yourself a Christ follower today, you are an agent of reconciliation. And God wants us to do It's like, okay, let, let me do this for you. When, when I was in college, I had long hair and curly hair. And it's kind of funny now to look at me like, I just have to believe you because I don't see it. Okay. But I've been looking at you too, you know. And I used to be a lot more buff than I am today too. But anyway, but, you know, it's just, you know, it's life, okay. And, uh, but... Uh, some guys would do it, but girls do it. You know, girls, uh, women, they, they, go, they go to the beauty shop, they go to their hairdresser, they go to their stylist, 
and they decide they want one of those perms. And they're going to change the texture of their hair. And it's going to be radically different, like it was straight, and then it's going to get curly, okay? And uh, so when they go there, when, when they apply all this technique, and they curl their hair, and they singe their hair, burn their hair, whatever they're doing with it, the, the hairstylist will put some neutralizing agent on it uh, to, to try to soften it up, okay? So there's not lasting damage. And here's what I think the ministry of reconciliation is. God wants you and I to be a neutralizer. So there's not permanent, lasting damage in relationships. So you kind of like bring a perm to your community. You, you bring, okay, some of you got it. Okay. All right, whatever. I thought it was a pretty good illustration. I probably won't ever use that one again. But anyway. But God wants us to be neutralizing agents. I'll tell you what, if you've ever had a perm, and I know a lot of you women have, you're glad they did something to soften your hair or you would have permanently looked like that. And, you know, and then some people just have curly hair, and they're like, well, I don't do anything to my hair. It just does this. And that's a cool thing, too. I, I remember when mine used to do that. I just, if it does anything, now I get happy. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Seriously, I, blew, I, I used to burn out uh, three hair dryers a year. I, I did. I, I would wash and dry my hair so much, and I would straighten it because it was curly, and I wanted it to be straight. And I even had these, uh, I can't believe I'm telling this. I, I even had these little crazy hats that I would sleep in sometimes because it kind of help your hair keep, keep straight, you know? All kind of stupid stuff because I, I didn't want what God had given me. And then finally one day I just got free. I said, you know what? <laughs> it's the truth. And I said, I'm just going to let it be curly, man. That's cool. And I just started growing it out. And, and I got a lot happier and my hair dryers got a lot happier because I quit buying hair dryers all the time. And the thing is, I was thinking the other day, I don't even think I've had a hair dryer in 15 years because <laughs> there's no purpose. I mean, when I get out of the shower, I just shake my towel on my head and go, glory, and I go. <laughs> How many of y'all are jealous? And you girls, I mean, y'all look so pretty women. You do. But you spend a lot of time in front of that mirror, too. Here we go. All right, let's, let's go. I just stepped out in a hole on that one. Okay. All right, verse 20. Verse 20, you need it right there. Intended for the whole world. Reconciliation is intended for everybody, not just me, just for everybody. It makes sense. Let me tell you what else reconciliation does. Reconciliation makes sense for children. I pray by the Spirit of the living Christ, there would be some moms and dads that would reconcile in Jesus' name. It makes economic sense. It makes relational sense. It makes sense to the God's glory. Uh, where people are hurting and marred and torn up, God wants this reconciliation. Jesus is the agent of reconciliation. And when we reconcile, it brings honor to the Father. And here's what I know about reconciliation. It's always going to cost. It always costs. Reconciliation is never easy. Reconciliation costs God his son. And reconciliation will cost you and I embarrassment and pride. And it'll cost giving some humility. But sometimes we won't. So I want you to write down today. This is a real practical message. I want you to write down something. I want you to write a blank on your worship guide. Just write a blank on the margin or something. Just write a blank. I want everybody to do this. I don't want the people like, I'm so smart. I'm pastor. I don't take notes. I want you to take notes right now because God told me to tell you that, okay? I want you to, well, he didn't tell me. I just thought it'd be good. I want you to write down a blank. And in that blank, I want you to write something. You don't have to write it in here because I don't, people, everybody's going to be like, who'd you write? Did you write my name? I was in the study this week preparing for this message. And I write pages and pages of notes. And I was writing, and before I knew it, I, I, I wrote a name. And I turned the page, and I went on. I knew what I'd done, but I, I tried to ignore it. And then I come back about 25 times, and I came back, and I saw the name. And I, I turned the page again because it was uncomfortable. And the Holy Spirit wore me out because he told me there was somebody I had to reconcile with. 
I went to my small group the other day. I said, guys, pastor's struggling. I got to reconcile with somebody. I don't really think I was all that wrong. <laughs> See, that's always the first thing we want to, you know, yeah, 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 I wasn't really, John Mark, you ever do that? I, I wasn't really that bad. You know, I mean, other guy's an idiot, but, you know, you know, yeah. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't give me any grace. He said, confess it, bring it to the light. And I told my friend, I said, guys, I've got a friend I'm sh- separated from. I need to reconcile. We're f- he's offended by what I've done, and I need to call him. So before we meet again, I want you all to hold me accountable. Hey, don't you just hate that? <sighs> So, man, Holy Spirit's been working on me over time. I, ca- I called him this week. He lives in another state. I couldn't get him on the phone. <laughs> I went, whew, Holy Spirit let me off. Whew, that's good, man. I was going to go back to my group and said, I called him. Brother didn't answer the phone. Praise God. He called me right when I was in the middle of traffic. And, I, and we talked a little bit. And I said, hey, can I call you tomorrow? Because, like, I'm really having a, I'm having a tough day. <laughs> Toyota just charged me $9,000 and da-da-da-da-da. And I said, and, and, and I, I thought it might get emotional, so I said, can I call you tomorrow? So the next day, and have you ever had something you, you got to do, and like, you, you got it at this time, and that day is like, it's, you know, it's like it fly, and it's there. And I looked and said, the appointed time is here. Man, I hope he'll be busy again when I call. And I call, and he answered the phone. And I just began to confess and make it right. And we bridged our friendship this week. And I want to tell you that. Because I want to be transparent on this stage, and I want you to be transparent with one another. And I want you to reconcile, because in this room, everybody's probably got some broken rift. And so in that line, I want you to write that name down. And I want you to do something about it before we come back. And God's people said, I'll try. No, no, that's not what the Bible says. It says, I'll do it. Be a minister of reconciliation. You know what was cool? We talked about 30 minutes on the phone. We bridged our friendship, and then I remember telling him, I said, you know what? I just want to know, I love you. Then I heard these words. I love you too. Let's have breakfast soon. Praise be to God. You're saying, ain't that big of a deal? I'm glad it hurt you. It didn't hurt me any. <laughs> you do the homework, okay? All right, so we, we, make, we make things right. We, we do what God wants. Uh, I want you to see this. In the Civil War, some of you are history buffs. In the Civil War, our nation was going through major national conflict, and brothers were fighting against brothers. Families were divided, men died, families torn apart. And on April 10th was the last day of the Civil War, and uh, they were gathering there at the White House. Abraham Lincoln was seated in power, a great man, a man that came to Jesus Christ. Did you know his seamstress led him to faith in Jesus Christ? Did you know that? The seamstress of President Abraham Lincoln led him to faith in Christ. I always thought that was pretty fascinating. And uh, so they were all cheering Abe, and they're like, President Lincoln, come out, come out. And he, he came out from the White House, and he goes in there, and his son is standing upstairs, whatever, and he's, he's waving the Union flag, and he's just all happy about it and everything. And, uh, and Abe Lincoln spoke these words. With malice toward none, charity to all. He called down to the band. There was a great band there in honor of the president. And he said, band, I want you to do something. I want you to play Dixie. Because what you don't know is the troops, the Confederate troops were, watching, were walking in to surrender their flags and surrender. And he wanted to honor them. 
and uh, actually it wasn't Lincoln. He, he just had them to play Dixie, but this guy, his name's Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, had fought at Gettysburg and all these different uh, battles, Fredericksburg and different ones. He was promoted to Brigadier General, but he'd asked them that day that they would, uh, uh, that they would after they'd played Dixie, and then he had this idea. He goes, okay, here's what I want y'all to do. Union troops, I want you to salute the Confederate troops when they come in and humble themselves. Wow. And history tells us there was a healing of a nation that started that day. And there's a lot bigger riff. It's called sinful man, sinful humanity that sinned against God that we need to bring the kingdom of God together and humble ourselves and salute the cross. And we need to celebrate one another. I'm just praying today somebody's getting as much out of this as I am because, man, it, this is not a fun message to preach. Uh, here, here's what I know. I'm going to quote a great theologian. If you choose not to do what I'm saying today, and you could, you got a free will, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Dr. Phil. <laughs> Dr. Phil would say it this way. How's that working for you? And some of you can just be hard-headed and decide to just live in your sin and have broken conflict and relationships and never reconcile and die that way. Or you can choose to do the hard stuff and reconcile and have the victory that is yours through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I pray you'll go, man, I'm going to do the hard thing because this other way ain't working out. Because I'll tell you this about my sin. When I don't deal with it, it keeps me up. When I don't deal with my sin, it eats at me. When I don't deal with my sin, it bugs you. When I don't deal with my sin, I don't have the power of the gospel. But when I deal with it, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, and so are you. Who wants to be more than a conqueror this morning? That's ours. It scares me when a lot of you didn't raise your hand like, no, nah, I'm just going to be a loser for Jesus. I'm a UK fan, Bubba. I, was, I like them. Don't send me emails. I was cheering for my dad, and they choked, okay? They, all they did is hit the rim. And then I was pulling for Butler, and they choked. So, you know, hey, I pulled for my AUM girls. Y'all are the best good-looking team in the world. Y'all choked too, but I sure love you. I, I pull for y'all all the time. I only pulled for one team this year that won. Y'all go figure it out. Okay, anyway. You knew I had to get in there. I hadn't told any Auburn stories in a long time. Some of you are like, I was going to leave the church if you said that. All right, here we go. Let me, let me give you this. Man, I got too much material. Matthew, turn over to Matthew with me. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5, 23. Matthew 5, 23. If I hadn't messed you up enough, let me see if this will really mess you up. 5, 23, that's what Jesus says. Because it's in red letters in my Bible. If it's in red letters, it must be Jesus, right? Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be what? There's that word. To your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or you may... Uh, hand him over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you pay the last penny. But I want you to see this: be reconciled. Next weekend, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I, I want to try to help y'all celebrate the most powerful, passionate Easter season. Here's how it happens: 
Next weekend, we're celebrating Holy Communion in the middle of our service. And that verse just said right there, if I have sin, if I have something against my brother, they got something against me, go and reconcile and bring your gift back to the altar. How many people want to be free when they come to the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ? So I've given you a week's notice. You're like, man, I like that. Some of you are like, don't ever tell me again. There's too much homework involved. But it could be freedom, freedom for your soul. Man, I'm like, God, you're going to do something special in our body. You've got to beef with somebody. Live a more holy life. And that life is where you exalt Christ, where the Holy Spirit begins to do a new work. So reconciliation is what God expects. And, and I wrote down, I want you to write in here, reconciliation precedes worship. And under that, I want you to write down the word. We are called to worship. So there's acts of worship and there's worship interrupters. And for me, I had a worship interrupter in my study this week. Because God wouldn't let me go to I dealt with something in my life. But I love the Holy Spirit. I love Jesus. I love the Father. And he didn't want to leave me where I am. He wants to make me new. So I had an obligation to him. Here's what else I know about reconciliation. It paves the way for stability. Now, this morning, uh, let, me, let me invite the band. Band, y'all just come forward. I want, I want you to hear Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you or me, choose to live at peace, choose to make things right, choose to let God heal, choose to let God bring harmony and hope to your relational world. And here's what I've learned about reconciliation this week. Don't miss this, okay? This is critical, friend. Reconciliation begins right here in your heart. Forgiveness begins right here in your heart. And this morning, the band's going to come, and they're just, they're just going to play a little music because we've just got a few minutes here, and I'm going to ask you to kind of do, because reconciliation, I want you to hear this thought. Reconciliation is not dependent upon the response of the other person. It's dependent upon your response to an almighty God. So today, I'm just crazy enough to believe that uh, God wants the rubber to meet the road in the room. And he wants to reconcile some folks. God initiates, we follow. So right now, if they can cut the lights down just for a few minutes. And I'm going to invite you just to rise up out of your chair and come fill this altar for Jesus. If the person's in the room, that's even a bonus. Maybe you can bring them with you. I don't know. But just come and just begin to pray and give thanks to God and ask him to show you who you need to reconcile with. Reestablish where you've been disconnected. Church, let's be bold. Let's be courageous. And let's follow him. So, Ben, y'all go ahead and begin to play. And I'm just going to invite you to, to come. Come out where you are right now. Man, I, I got real transparent today, guys. And I'm asking you to do the same thing with the Heavenly Father. That's right. Come on. This side dead? Come on. Come on, church. I'm not playing. I mean, there's some people who need to get spiritual victories this morning. And they're right here at the altar of God's house. Come, Holy Spirit. Move up and down the rows. Push people out of seats now. Show them what you want to do. Come, church. The victory is yours reconciled to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be reconciled with a fallen brother or sister. But reconcile. 
You've been called to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, to represent the royal court of heaven. So come. Come if you will. Come if you may. Identify with him. If there's an era, make it right. God fixed our era of sin in Christ. I pray you'll fix your era by reconciling to a brother. Father, I praise you for conviction. I praise you for change. I need change, oh God. My friends need change. Lord, pave the way for a more stable journey with you. Father, we praise you that you credit us righteousness in your son. We praise you because worthy are you, Jesus, that makes a way. Holy Spirit, thank you that you dwell and teach and prod and move us toward repentance. Friend, I pray for biblical repentance in your life this week. That you'll just love Christ more and follow him. And you won't have to carry the guilt or the burden any longer. I'll close with the words from Eugene Peterson as he was um, writing on 2 Corinthians 5.17 from the message. And this is my prayer for you and my prayer for myself. Now we look inside and we see, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. It's created new. The old life is gone and a new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him. And then he called us to settle our relationship with each other. Father, give us the grace and the humility to settle accounts quickly until you come again. You're an awesome God. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for the walk of faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Wow, I sure am glad that's over. <laughs> well, hey, I'm telling the truth. You know what? It's a great day to be in God's house, isn't it? And next weekend, Faith Quake begins. Uh, be here on time, a little early, and uh, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. I tell you, that, that is, you can turn the lights back up. That, that'd be cool. And uh, yeah, I want to see you folks. Well, hey, I hope you go and have a blessed afternoon in Balmy, Montgomery where humidity is high, and Jesus is Lord. Hey, again, could y'all just put your hands together and thank God for the research band. Y'all are awesome. Thank y'all. Do y'all want a name? No, anyway. Probably not that one. Okay, you, you can like get up, and we, we'll take an offering again. Would that be helpful? No, you can go. Okay. Hey, thank y'all. Let love explode and bring the dead to life Love so bold to see revolution somehow Let love explode and bring the dead to life Love so bold to see revolution somehow now I'm lost in your
Son of God, the King of Love.